We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle nil, Man City 2 over at the Etihad last night. I am Charlotte Robson. I'm joined uh, in this weird festive limbo period by Norman Riley. It's just us two dissecting the uh, game last night. Norman, how are you? I'm well, uh, Charlotte. It's interesting you mentioned that we had period between Christmas and New Year because when I switched my laptop on this morning in the top right-hand corner, it has like it has the date on, in the day. And, it was, and I was like, oh, Sunday. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, it is Sunday, isn't it? You're right, it is that, like, it's just a, yeah, like a no-man's land of time, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's always, it's, always, like, the laws of physics just stop for, like, a week. It's so strange. And then, and then because of Boxing Day, we've got this, like, extra day tomorrow of no work. And I, will, I was just like, what, what am I going to do with my time? I will certainly find ways to fill it that is not working. But anyway, anyway, we are here to chat through last night's 2-0 defeat to Man City. Not an unexpected defeat, honestly kind of an unexpected scoreline in as much as I expected it to be worse for us. Um, Not as, you know, painful as the Brentford game, but uh, lots of of things to discuss, I think, uh, particularly around our manager, particularly around our manager's comments. so uh, today we are going to sort of go through things a little bit chronologically. Um, so we'll have a look and talk through Steve Bruce's pre-match comments. Um, and then we'll talk about the game itself. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about his post-match comments, because I think there's a lot in there for us as fans to rightly be a little bit riled up about. Um, so I have the pre-match comments here for you Norman and I'm going to read them verbatim so that so that I'm not being dramatic and uh Jonic. yeah uh Steve Bruce told BT Sport before the game we've had a bad week it's as simple as that the disappointment of course of getting beaten in the cup tie is still sore and as I said it topped off a miserable week I have to say the histrionics which have gone around it is quite ridiculous at time but that's what it is at a club like ours but what better way to get stuck into it today coming up against a really good Man City team? I honestly feel like I could write like 
an essay just on that like quote alone mm-hmm. um norman what was your take on it first of all seeing the disappointment still saw is quite funny doesn't make any sense uh, i've got a sore disappointment i need to go to the doctor um yeah the histrionics right there's a few things i want to see on that first of all the histrionics that have gone on we have to keep remembering and repeating that there aren't any fans in football stadiums at the minute, right? Mm-hmm. So where is Steve Bruce getting the information from that there's been a you know histrionic reaction amongst the fan base? Where's that coming from, right? Because the only place that there is any type of fan reaction at the moment that that guns national that might make a national paper that might make it onto the news of a sports roundup or or whatever, you know, Sky Sports News is news that's generated from social media. And even the journalists themselves aren't getting the opportunities to ask hard-hitting questions in the way they might if it was a face-to-face press conference because Zoom is managed in such a way, which is where most press conferences take place now. It's managed in such a way that a a journalist will get one question and then the other journalists will be muted. So there's none of this kind of organic dialogue. So... It's not even like he's had like hard criticisms from journals coming at him. I don't know. So, so first of all, where, where does he get that from? Of course, if you mine social media, you'll see that Newcastle fans reacted in a way that I personally think was perfectly apt for a side who'd gone to a, a team in a lower division. Newcastle played a full-strength side. Newcastle played against a team who'd made five changes from the previous game in the championship. An excellent championship side. No two ways about it, right? But the fact that we went out 1-0, even that wouldn't be an issue necessarily if the performance was the performance of a Premier League side who were in the quarterfinal of a cup. It wasn't. It was an absolutely disgraceful, unimaginative, poor and shocking performance. And mm. For Bruce to say that the reaction to it um, was histrionic is so it's such bad management because what he's done there is he has just basically used the tropes that Newcastle fans are labelled with by all of his friends in the media now yeah. obviously we can look at Bruce's previous career and people such as Mick Martin and um, Mickey Collin have put articles on our website today, I know there's been tweets going out from the True Faith website showing evidence of Bruce treading similar paths in previous jobs at Villa or at Sunderland saying basically the same words that he's saying now, right? Yeah. But as a Newcastle fan, me obviously, and also as a Newcastle fan, and Bruce is somebody who is supposedly a Geordie, supposedly a Newcastle fan doing his dream job, to then go and use the criticisms that are levelled at Newcastle fans completely unfairly is just atrocious and may, I mean, it means nothing obviously to him, but may respect levels for, for Bruce as a manager of Newcastle United are just, like, they were lower before, but just completely disintegrated based on that ridiculous, unnecessary, unjustified comment. Yeah, and I think, I think what's so, um, there's such a lack of awareness about that comment in, in so many ways because mm-hmm. it totally, it totally shirks any responsibility for him. It totally shirks any responsibility for the players because, uh, to be clear, the players need to take responsibility as well. John Joe Shelby against Brentford was 
absolutely terrible. And he's not had a good few games recently. I've, I've said it a couple of times. I think he's, um, I've lost my patience a little bit with him. On a good day, people say on a good day, but I haven't seen his good days for a while. Um, um, we've got, you know, it, it, it completely it throws away all the responsibility it pushes it right back onto your you're hysterical you're wrong we're doing fine or you know it was a difficult week but everybody's just blown out of proportion it's very like not to get too gendery it's it's thrown at women a lot like you're you're being word, hysterical itself, yeah the word itself etymologically comes from like you know like hysteria comes from like the woman's body doesn't it basically that's yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a criticism thrown at women in the Victorian era because they're hysterical. It's absolutely you know, it's, it's it's a shocking insult, basically. And I tweeted last night, I said, you know, histrionics are my forte. Um, you like you've seen nothing. Um as a kind of a joke. I'm not really I, I think as a, a young person, I was quite melodramatic. I'm not really anymore. But it is not it is not that it is reason the things that people are saying if there's anger then that's justified if there's anger then that's because that's that's frustration at a million things we can't be in the ground we're not in the we're not there we're not you know able to see our club we're not able to see our families there's there's anger football's supposed to be an entertaining thing it's supposed to be something that we enjoy watching it can be frustrating it can be all of those things but it is just it, the way that we have approached it and the way that Steve Bruce approaches it makes people angry. And I and I think that's justified. Don't think that is histrionics at all. And it and it and by saying so, it just totally um to me it shakes all responsibility. It is like this is on you, not me. Um, oh, oh sorry, Charlotte. I thought no, you no, no, no. please go ahead. Um, no, no. Well, well, the other thing as well is like labeling it a tough week, right? Like it's only tough because you, i.e. Bruce and his management team, have made it tough. I mean, this was like West Brom at home, right? Newly promoted. Leeds Ten away. men Fulham. Ten men Fulham at home, newly promoted, down at the bottom, of the bottom three, as were West Brom, who we squared past. Leeds United, who, you know, for all the plaudits that they get, and rightly so, are still a team that's beatable. I mean, they concede a lot of goals. They're a championship side that's come up. Like, and then Brentford, a championship team, who win the quarterfinal of the cup. Like, that isn't what you would call a tough week. Liverpool, Leicester, and Man City consecutively, that is a tough week. And you can justifiably say that. I mean, that is a tough week for any team, yeah. no matter how, how good they are, because these are really excellent sides. But to say that it, it's it's a tough week, it's a yeah, but it's your making. Like, you made it tough because <laughs> you don't know how to manage your players and you don't know how to set up a team and you don't know how to do anything like tactically that, like, no, it is. Is what is representative of like the of football in 2020, 2021 in the Premier League. You made it tough. So histrionics, yeah. mate, like it's you. <laughs> so um that brings us nicely, I think, into not knowing how to set up a team, not knowing what the tactics are, to 7 p.m. yesterday. Norman and I were on the Charlotte show on YouTube, which we'll be doing again before the Liverpool game. I don't know if Norman will join, but I'll I definitely have Ben on. I've managed to secure Ben. But um the lineup came out 7 p.m. and uh, it was it was a surprise. I think we had Matt Matt Lo Matty Longstaff uh, in the middle, who hasn't even made the starting eleven. Um, the last no, the squad. Sorry, the last few games. Um, we had yeah, I just we had Joe Linton on his own. This is against Man City. Joe Linton on his own up front. 
supported by Murphy um, and Al I think Almiron was playing as well. Yep. And um, I just, um, I just, I mean, you can watch back at, on the Charlotte show. Alex had his head in his hands when I was reading it out. I, I just, it's, it's further, it felt like further proof that uh, he doesn't know what he's doing and he had no idea how to set up. Was that your feel on that as well, Norman? I think setting up the side from from the tactical um, side of it, he doesn't know how to do that in any way. Like uh, that, that's the impression I get. Uh, like you have to look at you have to look at how how his sides have played historically, and it's there's no real in depth tactical or technical uh, input into those sides, right? That but we know that we know that we watch them long enough now. We know that what I th what I found frustrating was. By playing Joe Linton up front on his own, you're basically saying, yeah, I know we're not going to score goals. So what you're doing is ultimately you are you're seeding the game already. Like you, you, you're putting out a side that just isn't going to score goal, right? Like if Gale or Wilson are on the side, that side isn't going to score goals. We know that. Um, or ESM, Alan and Maximan, obviously you could, you could throw in there as well. So sticking Joe Linton up top is like, yeah, we're not going to score, but what we're going to do is we're just going to try and limit the defeat as much as we possibly can. And that's what it did. Like, we lost 2-0. It could have been more. Man City were pretty sloppy. They overplayed it. We know that. Um, but they had a few good chances. Darla made some good saves. We had, like, one shot on target, I think, from Murphy outside the box. Um, and by by selecting the side that he did, to me, it was just like, yeah, there's, we're not getting anything out of this. So, there you go. And let's just try and limit it. Because, as I, I'll repeat myself, yeah, but putting Joe Linton up top on his own means that you are basically saying we're not going to create any chances and we're not going to score goals. And bringing on Dwight Gale as much as he has in recent matches and then dropping Wilson, which is totally understandable. Totally understandable given the fixture congestion, right? Wilson needs yeah. to be protected. He's a fantastic player. But to not put Gale up top instead is it's an for me, it was just an admission of it was an admission of defeat. And that's not that might sound harsh. And I'm not I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not like trying to question anyone's integrity or dispute that, that professionalism. But at the same time, that to me looked like you say that was just set up to go out there and just not get battered. Like, no, no, no other mission go out there and just don't get battered. Um, and obviously, bring the Matty Longstaff look, a young fit lad, he's gonna have to do running around, lot, run around lot because Man City keep the ball. Totally get that, right? I can, I can, I can cope with that. I think that's that's an okay decision. Um, but it's it's going to it's it's doing the five at the back that's never been successful for us under Bruce, and it's putting Joe Linton up top there. The decisions that that baffled me because that is basically saying. Yeah, we're not going to create any chances. We're not going to score, and we're just going to try and limit them as much as we possibly can. And that is just a really tragic place to be, and especially as we'll as we'll discuss when you go into these comments post match. Mm. Yeah, I think you know my my concern with Matty Longstaff wasn't that he's not fit enough, and you can like like you say there that you do need a young player to sort of do a lot of running in a game against Man City. Um, it was more that like Bruce seems to and it in my opinion and I'm sure that it's not a solo opinion seems to like reward players you have a good game you're on next week if you have a bad game you're off next week and Matty Longstaff who hasn't even made the start the squad for so many games then comes in if he has a bad game against a team like City he didn't for what it's worth have a bad game I didn't think um I mean it wasn't a brilliant game from from, from anyone in particular maybe Carl Darlow um but he didn't have a bad game but and I would hope to see him again in one of the fixtures we've got coming up because he, he obviously does have good legs on him and he's and he does want to do well 
But I, my concern there was like, if he does, he's dropped again, and then we don't see him for a month or or six weeks or whatever. And and he's a player that really, you know, could develop into something quite good and needs that game time and needs that development. Um, I don't know. It, that just it bothered me. It felt like really like throwing someone and throwing him under the bus. To me, and I completely agree with what you said there. Taking the risk of putting in somebody who has barely played this season, who barely played in the second half of last season, and then throwing him in against Man City away. It smacks of the Lejeune decision last Christmas when he came back from injury and he just got to play in three of the toughest games of the season, ended up getting injured, and pretty much his career at Newcastle was was ended there and then. Um, bringing in Shea for these games where you put Shea in the uh, middle of a back three or you put him in as a central defensive midfielder when it's never going to... That's just not how he, how he works at all. Again, impact on someone's confidence. But there's that there's that which I completely agree with. But there's also the when you are completely and utterly out of ideas about yeah. what to do on a tactical level, right? Because we've seen four atrocious performances consecutively, right? The West Brom, we won, but it wasn't a good performance. We know that, right? Fulham was in it. Utterly abysmal and excusable performance. Ten men for a good section of the game and we didn't create chances. Leeds away was just an absolute embarrassment, as was Brentford. So what he's done is he's thrown a curveball because it, it, it's it's the it's the kind of you know the last hand. It's like the rule of the last days. It's like, well, right, all right, I've got no I've got like I don't know what to do here. We've put in four shocking performances. I play Man City away. What can I do? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll throw a couple of players in the mix, see what happens. That that to me, that to me is very indicative of the kind of reactive, um, instantaneous thought management of of the, the Bruce era at Newcastle. And it was really um I it was really uh, interesting to see, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> kind of sad, really. Um, so the game gets underway and Man City predictably score after about 14, 15 minutes. Um, I mean, what is there to say, really? I, di- I, I saw it going in. I was watching the game. I was just like, okay, okay. I expected that. I didn't really... It was a strange one, actually, for me, because I didn't really feel anything. I didn't, I didn't feel... I, was, I, I felt like, oh, look how easy they made that look. Like, the, the, the assist from Sterling and then just this little tap in. It was, wasn't was even much like power behind it, really. Um, I just, I was just like, that was just way too easy. Crowding the goal. Oh, that's kind of how I felt like, oh, okay, this is how yeah. it's going to go. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, predictably, we didn't really respond to that. To be fair, they didn't then, we came to half time and it was 1-0. Um, and I did expect, I did expect the scoreline to be considerably worse than that. Um, I'm trying to find positives in this sea of negatives, um, but yeah. So, so yeah. So, um, how were you feeling after the first half, Norman? Did, was what did you expect it to be worse? Was it just a feeling of nothing, of emptiness, of staring into a void? I do that normally in any ways quite a lot, but I, um, the uh, the right. So this is the thing, right? Under previous regimes, let's say Bobby Robson, for example, let's say Kevin Keegan, let's say to a certain extent under Benitez, you're always expecting, anticipating 
that you might score first. The, the excitement is you might score first, you might score first. Under Bruce, you're just waiting to concede first. That, that's what you're doing. And last night was that game. It was yeah. I'm just, like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for us to concede, right? You know, like, the match kicks off. When are we going to concede, right? So we concede 15 minutes in, absolutely zero reaction. I'm sat in the set there having a beer watching the football, and there's like, there is literally zero emotional, like, emotional reaction to it. It's like, all right, then we're 1 0 down. And at that point, right? I didn't even think Man City were going to tank us um, because Charlotte didn't need to. They've got just as busy a period coming up as us, right? They did not need to do any more than score that first goal right? because we were never, ever, ever going to create a chance. We were never, ever going to score. We are never, ever going to press to try and score. The only way we would have got a goal is if it had been 1-0 in the 91st minute and much like Wolves or Tottenham, we just had a gigantic stroke of luck. But, but you know, the luck has, we've seen in the last few weeks, the luck has kind of escaped us now. So the reason Man City didn't beat us 5-6-0 is because they didn't need to put the effort in to do that. It's like, you know, they kept a powder dry. They went, they, they played out the match. They've got a fantastic defence, as we spoke about on your show last night. And they then scored a second goal when they needed to score a second goal just to kill the game off. So that, yeah. that the emotions were, don't need to hammer us because they've already beat us by scoring a goal. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it was so... um. It was, it was they just had total control over the game the entire time didn't they um certainly something that bothered me watching it was that um was that we had absolutely and you saw it at Brentford maybe worse at Brentford but we had absolutely no urgency no drive to respond to their first goal nothing the only um player and I do have to sort of you know again trying to find the positives I do have to point out that um, Jacob Murphy did look like, to me, the only player on the pitch who was really keen on trying something. He got well up the pitch. He was ready, like, he, but he was on his own. Did, did you see? I think it was in the second half. He was yeah. right up the pitch with the ball, you know, needed some support um, to score. And he didn't have anyone. There was nobody. Where was Joel Linton? His, his, his job is to be there. Like, uh, there was nobody there. I think it was... Um, I can't remember who said now WhatsApp group that we were just paying a back nine at that point. Um, but Jacob Murphy did seem to want it more than any of the rest of the the, the players on the pitch. Bob Cardalo, and I do have to point out as well, just in terms of how we were playing, I was pleasantly surprised to see us doing less of the back passing that you saw at Brentford because Cardalo um, spent most of Brentford with the ball. And that was just this this sort of ridiculous plan, I think, if you can ever call what we do a plan, to just pass it back and send it along and see what happens. But that did seem to be abandoned. And that, to me, made it seem like it was a coaching decision. It was a coaching decision in the first place. And it was a coaching decision not to, because I could see Matty Longstaff a couple of times looking back to Darlow and then and then not not kicking the ball back. So that, I guess... I'm really like grieving the <laughs> That's amazing that you've managed to do that. And like, I think, I think I agree with you. But then at the same time, I, I would possibly be being, being cynical. Like, obviously, as Newcastle United in its current incarnation has made me like the most cynical I think I've ever been in my life. But that might be age linked as well because you get more cynical as you get older, haven't you? But um, the air. Uh, one of the reasons we maybe didn't pass the ball back to Carl Dolo that much is because we basically just didn't have the ball very much at all. Like we had it like significantly less than we did against Brentford. So even if you could say almost like okay, we can't pass the ball back because we had twelve percent of the ball in the second half. 
Yeah, so that, that, that may have some. Maybe it may be a bit of both. It may be the fact we didn't have the ball, and also Bruce said, if you do get the ball, just kick it forward. Yeah, you can't pass the ball back to Carl Dolo if you don't have the ball. That is true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. I forgot. In fact, I'd yeah. repressed. I'd repressed that we only had twelve percent possession in the second half. Stand up, and that was Murphy. Seven percent of that was Murphy. I think. Um, I think you do make a good point on Murphy. I'll just add to it quickly. Yes, Jake and Murphy for all of his for all of his limitations. I think, like you know, I, I think he probably is a good championship player. That's his level, right? But at the same time, you can never fault his you can never fault his attitude in games. I I think that he always does try to beat a player. He always tries to use his pace and skin a player. And like to be honest with you, that, that's to his credit. It's almost like he still hasn't had that that capacity to want to do something with the pole completely and utterly erased from his being. So that's nice to see. Yeah, that's that's the words I'm looking for. It's like his spirit hasn't been completely crushed yeah, yeah. yet. So <laughs> there is a light that there is a light that never goes out. It will. It, it will. Um so um so yes, that really is much of what I can say against the about the actual game. Um they scored again brought Aguero on. Aguero was desperate for a goal. You could see really, really keen to score against us, but um, didn't didn't quite get there. Really nice to watch him play, by the way, a proper centre-forward, just really, just in the right position, just totally ready and hungry for it. Norman? I like him. Um, I, I agree with you, Aguero. I mean, I've loved him since he, he broke through the ranks at Atletico Madrid. I was um, living in Madrid at the time and he was just, you know, you just knew he was good, you know what I mean? You knew. Um, and also... Like many of my favourite human beings, he's built like a tank. He's short and built like an absolute panzer. Um, like you. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm more like a little jeep. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. Oh, there we go. Now. It's um, <laughs> it's it's the substitutions again. Like, like yeah. Me, like, why? Right. Two 0 down against Man City. Here, right. Absolutely. Dotting at Dumari Henry. You concede your second goal in 55 minutes. Weather shocking. You got Liverpool coming up, Leicester coming up as a Christmas period, whatever. Bring in Dwight Keel on the eight minutes to gun. But what's that? Tell, like, what is that, right? What, like, what's the thought process going on there? Oh, hold on. We're 2 0 against Man City here. It's been in a dune. We've got no chance of getting anything new to this. It's cold. What I'll do is I'll bring on Dwight Gill with the eight minutes to gun, a player who's got like a really long history of getting injured, right? Mm. I'll bring him on with eight minutes again in the shocking weather and we'll still lose 2-0 and he'll have like literally no touches of the ball and he'll do a couple of run runs, like run and run. Like what what what's where's the where's the logic? I, I don't like I don't get it. Like, and, if, and if and if that could be explained to me by anyone, I'd happily listen and I'd happily go, oh I fair enough, you know. But right now I just kind of see what the point in doing that was. Um I really can't. It it just it, to me it just looks like I've got to make three substitutions. Yeah, I've got to take that box. It's that it's that thing again where you never know what squad we're going to have because it's like he's got this tombola machine. I said this last night, and it's the thing again. Like I'll just I'll just pluck a number out of this hat and see, and then I'll throw them on. Andy Carroll for Joel Linton made no difference about fifteen minutes before that. Sad to um, see. Pardon. It's sad to see Carroll, the player that he is now. It's just sad to see like the absolute and utter like life as a footballer like sucked out of me. He's just he just can't do it anymore. And it's really it's really sad to see because when he first came back, I was genuinely 
thinking maybe we'll get a couple of good years out of him. He might find that spark again that he's back in Newcastle, but his body's just his body's just not up to it, is it? No, no, and uh, and it, you're right. It is a shame. And the Athletic had a thing that it was it's ten years since Andy Carroll's last goal for Newcastle United, and it was oh, against Man City on Boxing Day. So that yeah, would have been yeah. a nice little bit of symmetry, but uh, but we don't get nice little bits of symmetry. We get Steve Bruce and shit, luck and shit games. <laughs> oh, I can't even speak. Um, all right, so we ended the game two 0 down unsurprising uninspiring then steve bruce spoke to the press so we're bookending this podcast with steve bruce's comments if you're still with us and well done um so post match comments he had he had blamed us for being histrionic histrionics were ridiculous um he said, Norman, I'm going to use, I'm going to again do verbatim and then I'm going to ask for your opinion. So I'm going to read these quotes. The attitude was pleasing after a difficult week or so. There's that difficult week again. You always know you will come here against a world class team and we were beaten by the better side. It was a decent performance. The game in midweek has gone. We needed to respond to the criticism and they have done as much as they could. Um, uh, skipping some, we had a bad week. Some of the mass hysteria, in my opinion, was unjust, unfair, and a lot of it was not right, in my opinion. I'm going to say that, and that's my opinion on it, just to be absolutely clear on whose opinion. Um, all the fans are like we are. We have to accept where we are. It's pretty straightforward as that. My remit is to make sure Newcastle United remain a Premier League outfit, and that's what I'll try to achieve. That's where we've been for the last two or three years. Of course, for Newcastle, in many people's eyes, that isn't enough, but that's where we are, but we have to accept it. We have to try and move it a little bit forward. I'll keep edging us forward. We've had huge problems with sickness, illness. I'm no scientist, but I've seen Man City have two today, and I hope for their sake they don't go into double figures. I'm just talking about COVID there. Um, yes, we weren't good enough and gave away a poor goal at a bad time, but we made a fist of it. That's all you can ask. So I'm quite relieved. a lot. Sorry, Norman. So I'm, I was just going to say I'm relieved to hear that Steve Bruce isn't a scientist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did it come as a surprise that he's not? I'm not shocked. Not shocked. Um, quite a lot to unpack there. Once again, mass hysteria. Now, lots of people on social media have pointed out that he used those exact words at Sunderland and those exact words. Um, where else was it? Birmingham. Villa. Villa. So in Birmingham. In Birmingham. <laughs> Villa. Villa. Um, my brain doesn't work. After reading Steve Bruce's quotes, my brain is melting and trickling down the back of the neck. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot to unpack there. A lot of people are latching on to, not un, um, surprisingly, not surprisingly, look, uh, as I say, my brain... Unhistrionically. Unhistrionically. <laughs> people are latching on to the fact that his remit is simply to keep us in the top, uh, into in the Premier League. Not He had previously said, I think Mark Corley shared a quote, that um, that it was, you know, pushing into top 10 and that was his remit and that was what he was going for and we're really going to press forward and we're going to build on what we've, what we've done and all of that stuff. 
Um, I mean, I, I think that... I think that it's notable how much social media is getting to him. I don't know if he is looking at it or someone's looking at it for him. I can't imagine that somebody is looking at it for him. He must be going on himself or, or I don't know. But I don't know. I, I think I think he believes that he shouldn't be criticised. That's how it feels to me. That it's mass hysteria and it, it's he shouldn't he it's not his fault. What do you think, Norman? Right. So let, let's throw it out there straight away. He can turn around and point to the fact that we're seven points above the relegation zone at Christmas. Like that that's that's achievement, right? That is that is achievement in the context of Newcastle United Football Club. Taking away every single everything else, right? About how we're clearly on a massively downward spiral. We haven't progressed at all on anything, and we are in we're gonna be in serious trouble very soon. Like that, that's that's the reality. But if you just want to point at points on the board and where we are at Christmas, all right, you can see you've done your job. But when he first came to the club, right, because he knew that he was replacing a universally popular manager in Benitez and a manager who fans absolutely bought into and believed in, despite the fact that he's not a Geordie, my goodness, um, right, <laughs> um, he had to come in and almost straight away, it was like it was like the, the inferiority complex kicked in straight off, straight off. So... He had to state that I've got ambition to take us into the top 10. It's almost like a, a kind of easy, cheap way of trying to win the fans round. Like, whereas if what he's saying yesterday, i.e. may remit, is to keep the club in the Premier League, then why why say that the aim is the top 10 when you know that that's an absolute, like, absolute impossibility? And why say that also stating really that you are the man to get us into the top 10 when ultimately you're saying that I'll try and keep the team in the Premier League? That's the level of your belief, right? Um, that that's that's frustrating. It's like, what, what, why say something that is patently untrue? I guess is what I'm saying. You know, mm. why, why bother? Um, it's a strange one. And oh, sorry. No, go on, please, please. Well, I was just gonna. It, it's touching on what you said when we were talking about his pre-match comments. It's this Zoom thing. Um, he can sort of. It, 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 I feel like Steve Bruce has no idea of the luck that, that he's got here. That there's no fans in the stadiums. So that. And then also the, the the press conferences are done over Zoom, where the journals, as far as I can see, get one question and they don't get a follow up. You can't say sorry. Did you just say that because mm. it it you know at the beginning of the season you said you were going to push for top ten? Like has something changed or were you lying then? Like what what is that about? They can't. I know that um, Chris Woff um, tweeted that he'd asked to follow up about it in the embargoed section. Um, so that won't um, come out until pre-Liverpool. But I, I just, I, 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 he's so lucky that those sort of, that this whole system is in place because he's so well insulated, I think, from actual, real, actual criticism, actual questions. Yeah, like to toxic reactions inside the stadium. I think... The the little mention of edging the club forward as well, like where you're not edging forward, we're not we're not edging forward in the slightest. Like there's no, there's none of that. And when I think the other day mentioned um, make, having made progress, I believe we've made progress. Like where again, where like point pointed out, like give fans statements on where you believe they've made progress, and then people can go in and go, oh, actually, I've never thought of that. Maybe you're right. Um, mm. You know, there's, there's no, it's just like yeah, yeah, we have made progress. Nothing else. Nothing else. Like, you know, it's just it's just making a statement, right? Um, and also, like, the performance last night, I wanted a reaction and I got one. It's like, what, we lost 2-0? We didn't, 
Bar one, you shot from like 30 yards. What, what, how? How, 12 what, what, what kind of reaction is it? What kind of reaction? What, like, what kind of reaction is that? Like, hold on, I am, um, I yeah. Uh, oh no, I'm not going to say it. It's too disgusting. Please was move this on. the thing that you said on WhatsApp last night? <laughs> it's kind of similar. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, hold on, I, I pulled the bed last night. No, I've just pulled on the set. E, that's progress, right? You know it. Like it, it's 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 not an improvement, is it? Like last night wasn't an improvement on Brentford. It was it was a, a formulaic, dull, action-free, insipid defeat, which is yeah. exactly what Brentford was. Yes, yeah, 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 completely, uh, completely. And I think as well, this sort of continual infantilizing the last few games as a bad week. We've had a bad week. It's like. Well, no, you, ha you had four awful performances against sides that you should have beat. Like, that's not just a bad week. It's not as simple as that. It just, I, it, I don't know, it, it's staggering. I find it's staggering. Yes, I agree. Do you, um, do you think that, um, so the comments about where what the remit is, right? It got me thinking of um, Keegan in... Will be the end of the six or seven season, I think, or six or seven or eight. Sorry, so Keegan came in Valadays, and we went on like a really good run under Keegan after the, the initial kind of you know having to undo the shocking work of Sam Allardyce. Keegan got up playing again, and we lost two 0 I think, at home to Chelsea. And Keegan basically came out afterwards and said, "Look, this club is a long way off Chelsea. It's where I want us to be, but we're a long way off." And apparently, Mike Ashley, like that, that massively soured the relationship because it was Keegan basically saying, like, this club isn't good enough at the minute and needs it needs to do a lot of work. And you know, that relationship went quickly downhill after that. Keegan was given no control of our transfers and he was gone. He was gone within like five or six games because obviously it was towards the end of the season. Then we had next. And Ashley, um, sorry, Bruce by saying that has actually come out and pretty much said it like it is. The remit is to keep us up after having like 18 months of not admitting that touring the party line to a certain extent and saying I'm your own man, I'm not Ashley's puppet. I think he come out and said that as, as well, hasn't he? But now, mm. it's actually, now what he's done is he's actually saying, yeah, the remit is just to keep us up. And that, that makes me wonder how that might impact on his relationship with Ashley. I don't know what, you, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I definitely think that he... I think that he um, is worried about it. I think it's on his mind. I I would be surprised if he was happy with himself for saying that. I think um I think it might have sort of slipped out in this. I, I think it, like I say, the social media thing really gets to him. It's getting to him. It gets inside his head. And I think it probably slipped out and it and it probably it probably is not going to please Mike Ashley. But at the same time he is way more um, malleable, in my opinion, than a Keegan. Like, so, so he's he's just he's not gonna say he's like say Mike Ashley phones him up. This is never gonna happen. Say he phones him up and says, "What did you say that for?" Like, that's not you know I don't want you saying that in public. I, I, like Keegan, I can imagine being like, "Well, we're not good enough, and I'm gonna try and make us good enough, but but we're not." I can imagine. Again, this is just all in my head. Steve Bruce being like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't mean like. I'm sorry. I'm doing my best. Like, I'll keep going. Like, I'm so like. I'm really anything you want. Like, I'll do it. Like, that's how I feel. He would react to that. So I don't think it's as um, sticky 
for him to have said something like that. Um, Brilliant answer. Completely agree. Yeah. I'd never, I I hadn't actually thought of it in that way. And you saying that has made me think, actually, you're probably right. There'll be more of a, oh, I'm sorry about that, boss. It was just an accident. Whereas Keegan would say, well, I know. Yeah, you're right. Keegan would say, like, no, no, I'm here to take this club forward. This is what you need to do. If you don't, we'll not go forward. Completely right. Yeah. I love being right. Um, It's sad as as well. You're right, but at the same time, it's upsetting because it means that Ashley won't get like in a huff with him and bin him. Yeah, yeah. I think we're a way off um, a Bruce spinning, um, unfortunately. Uh, Maybe wrong. Uh, I kind of hope I am. Um, But um, I do think we're a way off. Anyway, we'll wrap that up there. I think there's so much more we could say. We could have done this whole podcast just on Bruce's comments, really. We basically have. we are back and we'll be doing a Charlotte show pre-Liverpool. We'll have a Liverpool preview out for our patrons on our patron platform. If you're not a patron, consider it. It's £6 a month. We do loads of additional shows. We've got um, ex-players. We do nostalgia stuff. We've got loads, loads, loads. Um, and then we will be back with a free podcast um, either after Liverpool or after... Who have we got after Liverpool? Leicester. Leicester. Yeah, maybe after Leicester. We'll combine it so that it's not too much for you all at once. Uh, In the meantime, stay safe, um, stay healthy, wear a mask if you don't have a pre-existing health condition, and take care. We'll be back. Thank you so much. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.